Hello, everyone. Welcome to another ESICM Next Educational Podcast. My name is Laura Galarza. I'm an intensivist working in Castellón General Hospital in Spain and also the chair of the ESICM Next Committee. Joining me today, an international expert in his field, Professor Romain Sonneville. Romain is a professor of intensive care medicine at the Bishop Claude Bernard University Hospital in Université Paris-Cité in France. He finishes his training in neurology and intensive care medicine in 2007, and he's been working in the field for a long time. Welcome, Romain, to the program. Hello, Laura. Thank you very much for having me here today. It's very a pleasure for us. So here. we are going to discuss today one of the most challenging and interesting topics in our daily practice in neurointensive care which is central nervous system infections. Romain was the lead investigator of the Eureka study, recently published in ICM, and it goes about clinical features, etiologies, and outcomes in adult patients with meningoencephalitis requiring intensive care admission. Thank you for being here. So let's start from the basics. What is meningoencephalitis? Uh, so thank you for this uh, first question. Uh, meningoencephalitis is a, a severe neurologic syndrome uh, characterized by inflammation of the brain, of the brain parenchyma, and uh, meninges. As you know, uh, in most cases, uh, meningoencephalitis is caused by infections, uh, not only bacterial infections, but sometimes viral infections, or uh, fungal or parasitic infections. Uh, in less, in less, uh, in lower proportion of cases, uh, encephalitis, meningoencephalitis can be caused by non-infectious conditions such as uh, uh, immune-mediated uh, disorders that are uh, increasingly uh, being recognized uh, in the intensive care setting. So, and what do you think are the most frequent signs and symptoms that we could encounter when we see a patient? Yeah. Uh, the most frequent signs and symptoms include uh, an acute onset of encephalopathy, ranging from delirium to coma. Uh, patients are usually referred to the hospital for uh, acute neurological symptoms associated with fever. So basically uh, confusion, delirium and fever or febrile coma, for instance. And patients, depending on the extent of inflammation, can also present with seizures, focal seizures or generalized seizures, focal signs such as uh, cranial nerve uh, dysfunction or hemiparesis, uh, hemiplasia. Uh, and the proportions of the proportion of symptoms uh, varies uh, uh, depending uh, on uh, severity and etiologies, of course. Uh, usually, patients will require uh, diagnostic studies at hospital admission because of severe neurological dysfunction, uh, such as brain imaging, and the CT or MRI studies may reveal. Uh, brain inflammation or specific signs associated with uh, etiologies. Uh, usually CSF uh, analysis is mandatory to rule out infection in any patient presenting with acute oncophalopathy and fever. And in the context of uh, meningoencephalitis, uh, CSF pleocytosis 
is present uh, with or without evidence of uh, uh, direct neuroinvasion uh, on uh, specific tests. Uh, EEG studies are usually performed in patients with acute encephalopathy, not only to rule out uh, seizures, non-convulsive seizures, but they also be of interest uh, to diagnose specific EEG patterns uh, associated uh, with uh, specific etiologies. And do you recommend doing a CT before doing a lumbar puncture on all of these patients because maybe they have some kind of phytocephalus or mm -hmm. it's not needed? Uh, it's a very uh, important question. The thing is, if you think about CNS infection, the most important thing is uh, that you should not lose time uh, with regard to starting uh, antimicrobial therapy. So uh, CT scan should be performed to rule out contraindication uh, to lumbar puncture in selected cases, namely uh, patients with severely altered mental status, patients with focal signs, patients with uh, new onset seizures, and patients with uh, pre-existing uh, severely immunocompromised status. In patients lacking this characteristic, uh, CT studies are not mandatory to uh, perform lumbar puncture and uh, they should not be done, otherwise you will lose uh, precious hours. If you think the patients need to go to the CT scan and if you have a high suspicion of uh, bacterial uh, infection, then uh, you should draw block culture, start antibiotic therapy, and then go to the CT scan to avoid losing uh, precious hours in the early uh, phase of management. And Romain, do you think that we should admit all patients with meningoencephalitis that came to the emergency department or some of them can be treated in their regular ward? Uh, it's a very important question, uh, I think. In fact, we don't really know. Uh, what we know from studies conducted in the field of intensive care medicine is that uh, patients presenting uh, with uh, altered mental status uh, defined by a GCS score of 13 or uh, lower uh, have a severe neurologic prognosis in the term of not only mortality but uh, neurologic sequela in the long term uh, and if we take a look at the data from uh, the Eureka study we know that uh, approximately 50% of patients have uh, a severe or a poor prognosis at three months uh, irrespective of the etiology in the form of mortality of course but also uh, significant sequela suggesting that patients with alternate mental status at admission even two points of GCS uh, should uh, make discuss the possibility of ICU admission. And this is, should not be only for comatose patients or patients with uh, non-neurological organ failure. But that's uh, still a, a matter of debate, I would say. Sure, I mean, it's nothing certainty. And once we have admitted this patient how should we manage them in the ICU? There's any kind of bundle that we should use uh, uh, apart from the antibiotic treatment? There's any kind of uh, measure that we should take with these patients? So it's a very important question. Of course, antimicrobial therapy is the cornerstone of treatment 
of uh, any infection, and it's uh, of course the case for uh, bacterial meningitis or uh, infectious meningoencephalitis in, in general. Patients uh, are at risk of uh, secondary neurological deterioration uh, because of uh, intracranial complications that should be detected uh, from ICU admission. The most frequent complications include uh, complications uh, like uh, seizures, for instance, status epilepticus, that can be either uh, clinical, uh, clinically um, uh, present or detected only on uh, electroencephalography. This uh, complication is seen in approximately 30% of patients, which is a high prevalence at IC admission, if you think about the numbers. Uh, other complications include uh, less frequent complications that deserve additional treatments. For instance, we know that 5 to 10% of patients have acute hydrocephalus on ICU admission, and these patients obviously require additional uh, surgical management. Uh, patients with subdural empiema, for instance, a minority of patients, but these patients will require uh, emergency neurosurgery uh, also. Uh, other secondary complications include uh, respiratory and cardiovascular complications, which can be either a consequence of neuroinfection, of the brain infection, or uh, due to uh, secondary respiratory complications, such as aspiration pneumonia. And we know that these complications are associated with a worse outcome. So that would be my take. Uh, detect early intracranial complications that deserve specific attention, seizure or neurosurgical emergencies, and uh, other respiratory complications such as sepsis, aspiration, pneumonia, or early uh, VLP. So uh, you have mentioned that the antibiotic treatment is cornerstone in these patients. What is the empirical treatment that we should start once we admit the patient? And also, should we give corticosteroids to every patient? So two, two difficult questions. Yes. So the first question is uh, when to suspect a bacterial infection. Uh, as you know, community-acquired meningitis uh, is most of the time not very difficult to diagnose. Uh, the CSF is usually uh, macroscopically uh, purulent. Uh, there is huge inflammations with predominance of neutrophils, low uh, uh, CSF to plasma, uh, glucose ratio, high uh, protein levels, and most of the time direct examination of CSF, the gram staining uh, is positive uh, for, uh, let's say, uh, meningococcus or, or pneumococcus. So it's usually not very difficult to diagnose. And this is the first step. Uh, treat bacterial infection and rule out a bacterial meningitis based on uh, the first results. The Antiviral treatment uh, is required whenever you suspect uh, viral encephalitis, of course. And as you know, these patients are quite different in terms of presentation. Uh, usually the CSF is clear uh, with uh, predominance of lymphocytes, uh, normal uh, CSF to plasma glucose uh, ratio, and mildly elevated protein levels. In this regard, the advent of new uh, PCR techniques allow for a faster uh, diagnosis of um, different viruses that are uh, relevant to, to brain infections. 
Uh, and I would say that in any uh, unexplained encephalitis with predominance of lymphocytes, uh, yeah, aciclovir uh, should be started as soon as possible and discontinued or uh, adapted depending on the results of the first uh, PCR studies. For the question of steroids, uh, we know uh, from previous studies that steroids adjunctive dexamethasone is beneficial in patients with bacterial meningitis, in, with community-acquired meningitis. Uh, we know that dexamethasone is also beneficial in a rarer cause of uh, tuberculous meningitis, for instance. Uh, we know that steroids are uh, detrimental uh, in very specific populations, such as immunocompromised patients with cryptococcal infection, for instance. We have uh, uh, strong data uh, suggesting harm in this setting. And for patients with viral encephalitis, uh, there are ongoing studies. Uh, as you know, dexamethasone is not recommended, but it might be beneficial, but we are still uh, waiting for the results. So to, 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 to sum up, uh, the, the indications for dexamethasone, it should be restricted to uh, patients with suspected or confirmed uh, acute bacterial meningitis. And what is the expected mortality of these patients and the, also the long-term outcomes? Uh, so based on the findings from the international Eureka study, uh, we can say that meningoencephalitis is a very severe uh, syndrome associated with high mortality at three months. Uh, in this uh, study, we observed a 25% mortality rate at three months, irrespective of the etiology, that is for bacterial infections, viral infection, or for non-infectious cause of uh, meningoencephalitis. Uh, one other uh, striking uh, finding was that 25% uh, of patients had moderate to severe functional disability, persistent disability at three months. And again, it was uh, homogeneous uh, among uh, etiologies, uh, with a notable exception of autoimmune uh, causes that had a, a higher rate of uh, persistent disability at three months uh, as compared to other causes. Oh, that's not really experiencing. I mean, when you admit a patient, maybe it won't get that that bad. So you were talking about the Eureka study. Now, besides the ones that you already told us, which are the main findings of the study? What, what will you take home from the study? Uh, well, the take-home message from the study is that um, although it's a rare syndrome with respect to other uh, causes of brain injury in the ACU setting, uh, we observed that it is uh, very severe, uh, not only for mortality, but also for sequela. And uh, it also important in terms of uh, diagnostic approach as different etiologies will require different additional specific therapies. So it's not only about uh, neurocritical care, supportive care uh, of uh, severely brain injured patients, which is of utmost importance, of course, but it's also about identifying the subset of patients that will require additional specific therapy that may uh, cure, uh, treat the etiology and, and improve outcome in the end. And after conducting the study, do you think it's 
there's anything that we can do to improve the outcome of these patients? Uh, my take is that uh, we know that despite uh, specific therapy, high level of intensive care, it is still a severe disease associated with uh, persistent disability in many survivors. So my the idea would be maybe to focus on causes of secondary brain injury in this setting as, uh, for instance, uh, seizure prophylaxis or seizure treatment, early seizure prophylaxis might prove beneficial or treat inflammation in uh, patients uh, with viral cause, for instance, we know that persistent inflammation is strongly associated with worse outcome in this setting, in, even in, in adequately uh, treated patients with respect to antimicrobial and antiviral therapies. So adjunctive uh, anti-inflammatory therapies uh, would be of interest. Another point is that uh, many patients develop fever uh, because of the infection, and we know that fever control in neurocritical care is very important, and we don't know what is the optimal uh, temperature target in these patients. So I would say that targeting uh, normothermia, for instance, for instance, as compared to uh, uh, not treating fever uh, would be uh, is an important question. And this is also uh, an idea for future research in the field to improve uh, outcomes of these uh, severe patients. So thank you, Romain, for, for being here and also for this superb review that you have done on meningoencephalitis. It's been a thank pleasure you. having you here. Thank and you thank much. you all for listening and check back regularly for more educational podcasts with ESICM next. Thank you.